You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. And I'm here with Denise. Hi, Denise. How are you? I'm fantastic, Annie. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story. I really appreciate it. So um, why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Well, um, it started when I was young, um, experimenting with, with alcohol. My parents drank and they had quite a bit of alcohol in the house. And we would uh, sneak alcohol from their, um, from their liquor stash and you know make what we called jungle juice. We'd uh, take a little tiny bit from each bottle and stick it into a glass and then drink it. It was horrible. Um, And I drank through college, um, but I never considered alcohol to be a problem. Um, It was really not the most important thing in my life. And what my real problem was back then was smoking. I smoked cigarettes. And um, I really, I didn't know the word at the time, but I had terrible cognitive dissonance around cigarettes. I did not want to be a smoker. I saw myself as a, an athlete, a really energetic person. And, um, and yet I smoked and I couldn't run around the block and I struggled for a long, long time with it. And I finally was able to quit. And I made, and I was still drinking at the time. And I decided that I would stop drinking as well, because I just thought if I had a drink, I'd have a smoke. There's just no way I could drink and not smoke. And so it was in my early thirties and, um, and I quit drinking entirely, quit smoking, quit drinking. The way that I sort of stopped myself from smoking was to make sure that there was absolutely zero time in the day for cigarettes. So I would, you know, ride my bike for two hours before work and I'd go jogging at lunch. I'd swim after work, got to the point where I'd be so exhausted um, that I just, there was no time to go out to the store and buy some more cigarettes. Um, I ended up running marathons, uh, doing cycling across Europe by myself, joining a swim team. And I felt so alive and so healthy and vital and energetic. And um, it was one of the best parts of my life. And why I started drinking again after 10 years of not drinking, I could not tell you. I, I don't really know, but I did. I went out, I went to the liquor store, I bought a bottle of wine, I got home. I realized I didn't have a wine bottle opener. So I went back to the liquor store and bought the bottle, bought the wine bottle opener and, you know, drank occasionally for, for quite a while, but you know, the, the two drinks a month became two drinks a week, became two drinks a day, um, you know, in a couple of years. Uh, so my, my drinking was accelerating though. I have to say, even at the end of my drinking, I was kind of like the model of a responsible drinker. I would only drink two drinks a day. I never drank more than two drinks a day. But even though I appeared to be someone who is in control of their drinking, I knew in my heart of hearts that I was terribly unhappy. I had all sorts of cognitive dissonance around drinking. I engaged in very unhealthy behavior. Like I would wake up in the morning and go, I'm not going to drink today. And in the evening, I'd have my two drinks. Or I'd go buy a bottle of wine. I'd have my two drinks. I'd go, I'm never drinking again. I'd pour the wine down the drain. The next day, I'd go out and I'd buy wine and I'd drink again. You know, and so I had all of this uh, 
just really unhealthy behavior around alcohol. By the way, my drains were very clean for a long time. <laughs> they got a lot of disinfectant. I found myself very low energy. I was grumpy. I was irritable. I was dehydrated. Uh, I just, I felt really bad all the time. And, you know, I never really had the classic hangovers that people talk about where I couldn't get out of bed till noon. But I woke up every morning feeling bad. Um, and, you know, um, and I knew in my heart of hearts that it was probably the alcohol, um, but I didn't know what to do about it. So one morning at three in the morning, even, even for people who only have two drinks a day, you still wake up at three in the morning in the cold sweat and in the total fear of like, what is going on with my life? And I was, uh, pulled out the internet and I was doing a search and I found this crazy book called This Naked Mind. I was like, what kind of title is that? But I bought it and I could really, really relate to everything you said in the book. Uh, it was just a picture of me entirely. And I went through the book and I stopped drinking um, for about two weeks. And it really helped me get through a couple of weeks, but then I would start drinking again. I signed up for your mailing list. Um, and at one point I uh, decided to do the alcohol experiment. It wasn't live, so I was watching uh, recordings of it, but every day at lunch, I would watch the recording of the alcohol experiment for the day, and I, and I got through 22 days without drinking. I was super happy, but on day 23, I cannot tell you why, but I went to the store, and I bought some more wine, and I drank it. In 2021, I injured my back, and it was excruciatingly painful. Um, and there was really no cure for the back injury except the slow, the slow process of physical therapy that just takes a long time. I was in pain for a long time and I really started using alcohol as an analgesic. It was the only way I could get through pain, the pain. And yet still my two drinks a day, I was very precise about that. I wasn't going to drink more than two drinks a day. And eventually my back uh, cleared up, but I didn't stop drinking. And I was just, you know, I felt ashamed. I felt guilty. I felt out of control. And I just knew something was wrong. Um, I was able to moderate. So every two months or so, I could take a couple of days off. Sometimes, you know, sometimes even once a week. But I'd always, it was always a, a struggle. It was always a uh I have to do a lot of planning around it to keep myself from drinking. Um, and so it was Thanksgiving of 2022, and I volunteered to be the designated driver for our Thanksgiving party. And uh, that way I knew I could get through a whole day without drinking because I was not going to get behind the wheel of a car uh, with any alcohol in my system. I was very adamant about that. So I got through Thanksgiving. I think it was the next day I received an email from you about a three day seminar, a live seminar, um, where you were introducing the path. And so, um, I didn't get to see it live, but I, you know, uh, every day I would download the video and I would watch it and, um, and, Oh, I had heard about the path from your emails a couple of times. And I was like, that sounds like a cult. I'm not joining. And, um, and, oh, it costs money. That's expensive. I'm not joining. And um, toward the end, I think it was of the seminar, or maybe it was in an email, you said you had a money back guarantee. And I was like, at the point, you know, I had had maybe three or four, maybe five days without drinking. I really didn't want to start again. And I was like, what do I have to lose? You know, they're giving me a money back guarantee. 
you know, I'm assuming I'm going to have some metric I have to achieve, like I have to participate. But this woman, Annie Grace, is guaranteeing me that I can change my relationship with alcohol if I go through this the path thing. So I signed up. I didn't realize until um, like the day before that you told people they didn't have to stop drinking. If you had stopped drinking, then that's fine, but you don't have to. So, but I decided I wasn't going to continue drinking because um, I had had these five or six days under my belt and I just really didn't want to uh, start again. And I was afraid. I was afraid that if I did, I wouldn't stop again for a couple years. And, uh, you know, um, and even though I had quit a few days before, when I think about my quit date, it's December 1st, which is the day I started the path because that is the day that my life really changed. One of the most important parts of the path is that it's it's almost like a course of study. It's a scientific-based course of study where we study the effects of alcohol. And uh, for me, that really, really, uh, really changed how I was able to view my relationship with alcohol through a scientific perspective. Um, I mentioned I had a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. I felt really bad about myself for the drinking. And suddenly when we learned about the science, well, there's no shame and there's no guilt. You know, um, uh, alcohol is addictive to humans. If you happen to be a human who's using alcohol on a regular basis, you're very likely gonna get addicted to it. Some people get addicted quickly, some people slowly. There's a lot of reasons why, a lot of, uh, psychological, physiological, environmental, family stuff. And we go through all of that in the path. So we learned all about um, why people become addicted and how they become addicted. And, um, and so uh, you know, that was a really, really important part to help me not want to drink once I started understanding the science. Um, it was also having a really supportive community, like-minded individuals. We were all in the same boat. We all felt the same. We didn't want to drink, but we didn't know, you know, how to go about not doing it. And the coaching was fantastic. Uh, I owe so much to the coaches. Um, they helped you really, you know, we, so there's live co coaching calls. We jump in on a call. It's like a Zoom call. And a couple of people talk about their stuff around alcohol or whatever else. And the coaches help you work through it. Um, so, you know, some of the easy stuff that they helped me work through, I had ordered a case of wine, um, but it didn't arrive till like the week before Christmas. We started the path on December 1st and it was going to come that day. And I got on a call and I'm like, there's a case of wine coming to the house today. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, 27 days without a drink and I don't want the wine around. What do I do? And, you know, and the coach really helped me get through it, you know, and I wrapped them up like Christmas gifts. I gave them to the garbage man, to the postman, to the lady at the grocery store, um, you know, and I, so I gave the whole case away, but they also helped us work through the hard stuff. Like I remember on one of the first calls where people were talking about, well, you know, I party with my friends and what are my friends going to think if I don't drink? And, you know, and I raised my hand and I said, you know, I'm an introvert. I drink alone. You know, how do I, how do I not party with myself? How do I break up with myself? And, um, and the coaches really helped me work through that um, by using the act technique mostly. 
by looking deeply at what my beliefs were around the alcohol and why I was using it. And, uh, and so that was amazing. Another uh, really hard thing for me was, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really into my work. I, uh, I have a job that I love. I'm really good at it. I worked really hard for decades uh, to be really good at what I do. And um, I, it's very stressful. And um, I felt like my edge was that I was stressed out all the time. And I could just think of all the things that could go wrong and then take care of every little thing. And that, that uh, and what happened, let me, let me go back a second. So once, once I uh, had stopped drinking for about maybe 45 days, the stress in my body uh, really started to go down. I was much more relaxed. I was sleeping. Uh, I was much more clear-minded. And um, I, we learned through the path how alcohol affects your stress hormones. And, um, and uh, they get totally out of whack when you drink, especially if you're drinking regularly. And um, um, I started to be less stressed. And I, I was worried that this would affect my job. Um, that if I didn't go into work being stressed out of my mind and taking care of every little detail, that I would lose my edge. And so I brought it to a coaching call and I said, and I just said that, you know, I'm, I'm worried that the stress is my edge. I'm not stressed out anymore. And I'm afraid it's going to affect my work. And the coaches really, you know, helped me work through that. They were like, well, is that true? And do you know it to be true? Do you have any evidence at all? that being stressed out of your mind is helping you? Now, what if, what if in fact, being calm, being focused and being clear-minded will actually make you better at your job? And I was like, oh yeah. And I think it's turned out to be true now a year later um, where I am very focused and very calm and still doing very well at my job and loving it. Another thing that happened was, um, you know, even though I didn't have the classic hangover, I had what I called overhang. Um, I would wake up in the morning and it just felt crappy. And before I quit drinking, it felt like life was a series of chores that happened between the end of the, of the overhang or the hangover and the beginning of the next drink. And if you drink at five o'clock and you don't start feeling okay until nine o'clock the next day, or eight o'clock or whatever, there's not very many hours left in the day to do anything besides work and chores. And life really felt like a chore. And I felt like I gave up a whole bunch of things, um, in particular music. Um, I played music all my life and I stopped, uh, I stopped playing music when I started drinking regularly. You know, and I know jazz and rock and all of this, and people are, you know, the tragic alcoholic artist. It didn't work for me. I couldn't play music when I was drinking. I couldn't focus. Um, my athletics, you know, I did work out in the morning, but I always felt bad. And it was very sort of reluctant and not putting any effort into it. It was like a chore that I would do, um, maybe even for punishment for the drinking. I don't know. Um, so one of the things I really wanted, um, was to get those parts of my life back. And I can say very much that, that, uh, you know, I play music every day now. 
It's a really, really important part of my life. Um, I wake up and I exercise every morning. I feel great. I feel energetic. Uh, and um, so that's a gift that I've, that I've gotten back, you know. Um, and I think I'm one of the lucky ones. I think that um, part of, I have had the experience of being an adult without drinking. So I had those 10 years where I didn't drink and I knew how good I could feel. And when I started drinking again, and especially when it became a daily thing, I had something to refer back to. You know, I knew how good one could feel if they didn't drink. And so that was part of maybe why I, be, I got to, to changing my relationship with alcohol early, earlier than some people do. You know, I hear a lot of people, oh, I drank three bottles a day, oh, I got in a car accident, and this and that. That never happened to me. I was the responsible drinker. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I feel lucky because uh, because I had that experience and I knew how, how good life could be. And uh, so here I am. Uh, it's been about a year and a month and uh, I feel great. I have no desire to drink, or as you say, I drink as much as I want whenever I want, which is not at all. Um, and I'm totally grateful to uh, to you, Annie, and to the path, the coaches, all the people I was with. Um, you know, uh, it changed my life. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad, Denise. Thank you so much for sharing that all. Um, so, how has how has it been for you, like going out socially and being a non-drinker? It hasn't been too difficult, but I also haven't had a lot of opportunities. I, um, like I said, I did a lot of drinking alone. Um, so I um, uh, haven't had a lot of opportunities where I did go out with friends drinking because it's just not something I did. Uh, there was a time I was on a work trip. Um, we went to Nashville, Tennessee and all the guys wanted to go out to a bar. Um, and we went there and there were no non-alcoholic drinks. And so I ordered, you know, a bubbly water and they're like, you're not drinking. And I'm like, no. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, well, I just don't want to. It just doesn't work for me anymore. And they're like, okay. And uh, yeah, so that was fine. Um, I was at a party the other night and uh, there were lots of non-alcoholic drinks. And there were about half the people were drinking, but half the people weren't. And, uh, and so it was just very, very easy uh, to, to, for the small amount of social interaction that I do, uh, it's so far been pretty easy. That's great. Um, and then how have, how have things been otherwise, like with, um, you know, internally with like your own well-being, happiness, motivation, things like that? Oh, it's, it's changed radically. I mean, I, like I say, I used to be very grumpy and irritable. I used to blame people uh, for things that for no reason at all. Um, I'm much more, uh, just a much better outlook on life. Life is easier. It's more fun. I'm kinder in my heart to people. Um, I don't get, you know, sure I get irritated every now and again. I get grumpy every now and again, but it's not like a daily constant thing like it was when I was drinking. Um, so uh, emotionally, and like I said, I I have my music back. I have my art back. I'm able to, to really uh, do my best attempt at creating things of beauty. 
And that's really important to me and really important to me emotionally. Um, I, uh, uh, I swim three or four days a week with a swim team. Um, and uh, it just, it feels good. It just feels good. I feel vital. I feel alive. Mm, I love that so much. That's so great. Oh, amazing. So let me ask you sort of the question that we kind of, um, well, is there anything else you want to share about, about your journey before I ask my final question? Um, I guess the other, the one other thing I wanted to share was um, about moderation, because mm. I was a person who was able to moderate before I joined the path. And uh, about a month and a half after I quit drinking, I was going out to lunch with one of my friends who's in AA. And I told her I had quit drinking and she said, oh, are you going to try to moderate? And, um, and the answer is no, I don't think so. Um, I don't want to drink anymore. And part of my not, you know, part of what keeps me is from drinking and not even wanting to try it is, again, the understanding of the science, understanding the science of how alcohol affects your body, uh, especially the stress, how it makes your stress hormones go out of whack. It takes six to eight weeks to get them back uh, into a, a normal sort of stasis. Um, and you know, understanding that science now makes me go, I don't wanna go back there. I don't wanna drink anymore because I know what's gonna happen. I understand the science now. Um, and so that was, and again, another, I wouldn't have known that without the path. Uh, it was a real gift to, to really understand that. I love that. I love that so much. I am. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the path can be such a massive commitment for people because it's a year long program. And I actually sort of about a year ago kind of gave into that idea of like, all right, maybe we can do it shorter. You know, maybe we can condense it. Maybe we can make it shorter. And it, it was fine, but people weren't having the same sort of freedom because they had not gone through, it just takes time to unlearn and relearn, you know? And so what you're explaining, Denise, is a, a sense of freedom as if you were not a drinker to begin with. Like you need alcohol as much as somebody who's never had alcohol. It's not that you're trying in your life to not drink. And for me, that is the goal, right? The goal is to be in a place where alcohol is small and relevant, where you could take it and you could also leave it and both things are okay. And you're doing it because you want to do it, not because you need to, not because you have to, but because you've actually had a shift. And, you know, we spent a whole lifetime learning everything we've learned and experiencing everything we've experienced. And of course, we learn all about how those experiences actually trick our mind into believing things that aren't necessarily true about alcohol, just in the in the brain chemistry that occurs when we drink. And so it just it just takes time. It just takes time to kind of undo it. But I'm really thankful for this conversation because it is, you know, understanding at that deep level it's a, it's a paradigm shift, you know, and what is, what is a year? And most people actually stop drinking well before the year you stopped drinking before you even started, but it's, it's in that shift that you, that you enjoy the stop, that you stay stopped, that your life changes. It's, it's um so much more about the emotion of it, the desire for it than it is about the behavior of it. And we really, we really hold emotion as primary, how you feel, in your life, how you feel in your body, how you feel in yourself. 
uh, as opposed to, you know, drink, don't drink, moderate, don't moderate, that stuff becomes kind of secondary compared to kind of the primary thing of, of how you feel. So I appreciate you telling that story. So um, the final question I have for you is if you were going to go back in time and sort of talk to Denise at a different point in your life, and you were going to tell her a little bit about what life is like now, um, or encourage her in some way, what would you say? I would say, trust yourself. You know what is right for you. You know deep in your heart what's going on. Trust it. Don't just because it looks like everyone else is having a good time. You don't know if they are or not, but you know what's right for you. And you know, that was part of what why 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 it took me so long actually because it took me about ten years to to quit. Um, because I was comparing myself to others. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not in the gutter. I'm not drinking four bottles of wine a day. I'm not this and that. But I knew in my heart and heart, uh, heart, heart of hearts that my relationship with alcohol was unhealthy and I was unhappy. Um, so that's what I would say. Trust yourself. Trust your gut. You well, know what's right for you. That's, that's beautiful. Just out of curiosity, and if you, this is a very, I don't know that anybody knows the answer to this question, so I'll preface it with that, but I think a lot about this idea of trusting ourselves first. You know, a lot of my thinking is on this idea that humans, we can be trusted with ourselves, and even when I was asked, you know, what would I teach my kids if I could, if I could leave them with one thing, what would it be? And I was like, if I could somehow teach them to trust themselves first, you know, that would be what I would want for them. And in your opinion, why, why do we find it so hard to trust ourselves? That's a good question. Maybe, maybe we're taught not to, um, and then we believe yet another fallacy. I maybe, maybe out of fear, like I said, I felt at least on some level, I would compare myself to others. So maybe that's part of it. But boy, it would be great if we could starting young, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, I mean, nobody knows the answer, right? Why is it, why is it this way? And I think you're right about both of the things you highlighted. Um, I definitely think we're told not to. In fact, when we're very young, when we prioritize ourselves, we're told that we're selfish. And so that mm -hmm. really lives deep within us, this idea that we need to take advice from other people that other people know for us better than we know for ourselves. And then, you know, there's, when we start to, instead of seeing failure, especially in so many of our social structures, when we mess something up, it's, it's not seen as part of the learning process. It's seen as the opposite of the learning process. It's seen as, as failing the learning process. Whereas failure, of course, is part of the learning process, arguably the most important part of the learning process. And, and so we don't see it like that. So then when we do things that confirm, oh, maybe I'm not trustworthy, I think we deeply embed that belief. And then we are just, you know, say probably at a subliminal level, if not a very overt level, 90% of marketing is about how you need something outside of yourself in order to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, the rabbit hole goes, goes really deep into why we start not trusting ourselves. And then as soon as we start making mistakes, we say, oh, okay, 
well, well, clearly I can't, I can't actually be trusted with me or my life. Somebody else must know better than me. I have to abdicate this responsibility to someone who knows better. And one of, I think the most interesting aspects of just, you know, becoming an adult and, and especially writing this book and it, it came from me trusting myself first rather than something else. And it was like, look around. And my friend, Brooke, she says it's best. She's like, where are all the adults at? <laughs> I was like, we're them, like, you know, all them, but we're all looking for these, uh, these other, other people to tell us what to do or how to live. And so anyway, I love that you said that because it's, it's just such a, it's something I think about all the time. So for you to have that reflection back to your younger self, I think is really powerful. Mm. Yeah. And it is interesting as you know, so well that the marketing, they, they know, they, they've figured out what the fears are and then they, that's, you know, uh, that's how they figure out how to sell you stuff, I guess. Oh, well, thank you so much, Denise, for coming on and sharing your story. It's been just such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, well, like I said, thank you. Um, this has been a, a life-changing experience. Oh, I'll, I'll just add one more thing you can use or not. My, so it was we joined the PAP in December, and so we did the New Year's together. And someone, it was either a coach or one of the students came up with, what's your word for the year? and my word for the year for 2023 was vitality I wanted to get that energetic life-affirming feeling of a life of being alive and feeling just full of life and happiness and health um, which I do feel I got and so for this year um, my word is two year two words my word for the year is two words and they are thank you mm. I think is different than, you know, gratitude. Uh, it's a very active uh, set of words. And I have really been trying to reflect and would like to make my goal this year to be thankful to people in a very active way and to thank them directly when I can um, for all the awesome things that they do for me and for each other and, and for the world. So, so I say thank you, Annie Grace. Uh, you're an amazing person. And you've, uh, you've given a great gift to the world. And thank you. Oh, thank you. That's really beautiful. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, one of the, one of the women who I just think is is so wise in the world. Her name is Byron Katie. She has lots of books, and she has. Uh, been really influential on me. And she says something whenever somebody says, thank you. She says, you know, we all need to get also get better at thank me. And so maybe you can include that in your okay. work. Good Every idea. Time you say thank you. Thank yourself too, because oh. you did all the work at the end of the day. It's a good point, And I will meditate on that. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank me. <laughs> <Hey>, thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. thank you so much for listening to this episode if you're ready to see how this naked mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more go to this naked to learn what your next best step is again that's this naked 
We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. Thank you.